Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Investors, have you ever felt frustrated by your loan servicer? experienced challenging communication, or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Hey, everyone. You're going to love this one. I just chatted with Gary Pinkerton, who is a wealth strategist and a U.S. Navy veteran, uh, was an officer for 26 years in the Navy. And we focused a lot on the poverty that he faced growing up in on a farm in Illinois. And we also talk a good bit about uh, the passing of his father when um, Gary was at the Naval Academy. Thirdly, we, we talk about an eth- a big ethical challenge that Gary faced when he was an officer in the Navy. Um, and, and we pull out a lot of lessons learned. Um, Gary's now focused on helping individuals and families grow their their wealth through primarily the infinite banking concept, uh, but also uh, helping them plan and uh, invest their money as well, um, or at least advise on what, what he would do. Uh, but this is a very good episode. Um, we talk about kind of the mindset that Gary's been able to employ to get him through tough times and how he has absolutely been able to reach abundance. He's now living in uh, southern Southwest Florida and um, is able to kind of control his day-to-day. And he is all about taking ownership and helping others take ownership of their lives and their financial situation. Um, and so lots of... Uh, fantastic principles are presented in this this episode. Several great book recommendations. He was a pleasure to chat with. I know you're going to love this one. Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable. And former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people 
turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. All right, here's the deal. You work hard for your money. Isn't it about time you put your money to work for you? If you are an accredited investor, check out labradorlending.com. Our Integrity Income Fund provides monthly cash flow from an investment backed by hard physical real estate. Our income fund, which is uncorrelated to publicly traded stocks and bonds, invests in first lien mortgage notes diversified by geography, property value, and borrower type. So you're not investing in one project. You're investing in a diversified portfolio of first lien mortgage notes. Our Integrity Income Fund aims to pay its investors monthly distributions at a preferred rate of return of 8% annually. Possibly the best part though, the fund showcases a short 12-month commitment. So you can invest your capital today and have access to that capital in one year. Check it out today, labradorlending.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today today to have with us guest Gary Pinkerton of Aligned Strategic Wealth. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Jamie. I can't wait to talk to the audience and meet some new friends. Absolutely. I love it. I know uh, just uh, researching, I had heard of you before and, and just researching your your story a little bit more today. I realize we have a quite a bit in common and I think um, the listener will definitely be able to benefit from uh, hearing your story um, and I can't wait to dive in. Um, before we get into your backstory though, who are you today and and uh, why should we listen to you? Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm a, I am a wealth strategist. Uh, I focus uh, primarily on helping my clients reduce taxes through what I call alternative investments, which means not Wall Street. Uh, and it, you know, that all really comes from the experiences that I learned in my, uh, you know, in my backstory and years of studying um, what makes uh, individuals be able to uh, obtain wealth and hold on to it for generations. Um, and so I partnered with uh, a firm called Paradigm Life Insurance Company. It's a brokerage company. So my day job really is helping individuals implement kind of the foundation underneath um, all of their investments. And then I spend mm-hmm. most of my time helping individuals, uh, my clients, optimize growth. Uh, in the end, uh, you know, I'm a 30-year uh, Navy nuclear submarine veteran who has redefined what patriotism means to myself. And hmm. to me, patriotism means helping entrepreneurs, business owners, individuals in America hold on to the 250-year experiment that our founding fathers put in place. And so, uh, and, and that experiment is give people the rights to what they create and allow them to prosper from those rights and create a very small government that doesn't have the power to take that from them. And so if we are enable, if we're able to enable others to um, control their own destiny, which I call agency, um, mm-hmm. then we will remain a, a, a beacon for freedom around the globe for centuries to come. And so I have shifted from protecting America from outside forces to protecting mm-hmm. America from destroying ourselves. Hmm. That's uh, there's a whole lot to unpack there, and yeah, we could have five or six episodes <laughs> just diving into the what you just you just talked about. Um, 
on this show, we we love the the concept of taking ownership um, and just taking control of your your life. And you know, the whole purpose of this show is to um, accept the fact, you know, help help the listener accept the fact that they're going to have adversity. They're going. Life is not fair. Um, you know, don't try to make it fair. We can't control all of the bad things or good things that happen to us. But what we can do is is take control of how we respond. And there's there's a lot of I like how you you talked about it, kind of you were maybe focused outwardly in a sense, and now you you've actually brought it a little bit more not self centered, but more focused on what you actually can control. And in that sense, we have more impact on on those around us if if on an individual level. We all take ownership of our situation. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, a lot that I really like about what you just said. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, I was, I was, uh, you, I think you uh, retired as a captain, right? And uh, in the Navy, which, you know, I, I was a captain in the Army, so I guess we were the same rank, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> those familiar with the military will realize that that's not necessarily the case, <laughs> but thank you for it's your incredible. service. Nonetheless. I like it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so now let's, let's jump, let's dive in uh, and, you know, um, let's, let's start where, where you'd yeah. like to with your backstories. I know um, we're going to focus primarily on financial hardships that you've been through as far as yeah. the adversity side of things. Um, so where would you like to start? Well, I'm, I'm going to go way back, but we won't stay there yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm 53 years old. I grew up um, in the 70s and early 80s in a period yeah. that mir- that um, rhymes with today. You know, people will say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it certainly mm-hmm. rhymes sometimes. And so mm-hmm. the early 80s are very similar. You know, maybe right now we're in the late 70s part. So Jimmy Carter leaving office, Ronald Reagan coming into office. Mm-hmm. We have high inflation really for the first time in modern American history, and certainly that any of us who are living today remember. Sure. And and so there were a lot of lessons learned there that, frankly, I didn't personally learn until years later, uh, mm-hmm. or I didn't get the lesson from them. I guess I learned them back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, I was on a dairy farm in southern Illinois. who had about 500 acres and... Um, you know, when I was a younger kid, um, you know, grade school era, it seemed like we were doing okay. But as I was transitioning through mid, um, junior high school into high school, it was obvious, uh, meaning that the bankers kept showing up, you know, monthly mm-hmm. and then it was weekly um, when we were out, you know, in the fields. And so I, I didn't really understand personal finance. What I knew is that we were in serious trouble. And that trouble, now that I can take a bigger picture look at it, was that um, my father had been kind of duped into um, this kind of this thing that was happening with farmers across America back then. And, and you know, and I'm not going to go after all the bankers and say that they knew exactly <laughs> what they were doing. I don't think they did. Like, again, we hadn't seen high interest rates in America in a long time. Sure. Um, but but we kept getting uh, these teaser rates to refinance, pull more equity out of the out of the property or refinance for a bigger and bigger and bigger loan mm-hmm. with the guise of, you know, putting that into equipment or livestock or something like that. And then that teaser rate would go away and you'd end up with, you know, the, the the readjusted rates and then you'd have to do something about it. And we were able to do something about it until stagflation really took over in the late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s. And mm-hmm. at that point, prices weren't going up anymore on the on the properties and mm-hmm. people's incomes weren't going up and there were gas lines. You know, all this stuff that yeah. that we complain about today actually pales in comparison to what we were seeing back then even. And and so, you know, plus we had the threat of nuclear war and all this craziness going on, had just left Vietnam. So it was a really, really tough time. Sure. And 
I, you know, I look at today's world and just say, man, we don't have, you know, there's a lot of snowflakes yeah. around us that are just, they've been, yeah. um, they've been protected from the real world for way too long. Yeah. Fact, I couldn't my agree favorite more. sayings, not to get distracted here, but one of my favorite sayings that yeah. I say on my, my podcast, Gary's Gulch all the time is that, um, hard times create strong people and, and strong people create good times. And I think that's what was happening yeah. Um, you know, in the, in the early eighties, we had some strong mm-hmm. people being, being, uh, honed, created mm-hmm. out of that tough environment. Um, yeah. we had good times for quite a while after that, but the problem yeah. is that good times create weak people. And, um, we can point at those people right now, I think. And, and these weak people, um, are creating hard times and, and we're about to go through the cycle again. Um, and, and I'm ready for this cycle. And most people who are yeah. out there that are in our audiences are ready for this cycle. So, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll throw us back into the early 80s. And so it's like yeah. 18, 1983, 84, Paul Volcker gets the, the green light to fix mm-hmm. inflation. And so he just hikes interest rates until he slows the economy down and breaks a few things and stops mm-hmm. the inflation in its tracks. But interest rates got to 21% on our farm. And that took just a few weeks. Uh, wow. And, you know, essentially foreclosed. Technically, we did sell it as we were walking out of the door with the shirts on okay. our back, um, yeah. you know, enough to pay off the thing. And then we lived in a double wide, tra- a single wide trailer on my uncle's land um, for, you know, the rest of my mm. high school time. Okay. And so was that told- just, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Was that, is it, because I'm in the, the non-performing note space. So was that a, mm. like a deed in lieu, do you know? I, I don't know if you know, like deed in lieu of foreclosure or was it a short sale kind of thing? I'm just curious how that the it it really doesn't an actual sale that resulted in proceeds enough to pay the banker off got it understood okay i think so it was a normal sale got it and then you said you you lived in a double wide with your with your uncle for all of high school you said yeah for the last three years of high school so to go back and just to add a couple minutes to that other story so we had yeah a month before, so they gave us like four months to get out, right? And, and so a month before foreclosure, we we yeah. found this beautiful young couple. They were in their, uh, in my memory is like they were in their early 30s and they had these two really cute little kids and they would come and visit like once a week while we were in escrow just mm-hmm. to figure out what they were going to do here and what they were going to plant there and, you know, mm-hmm. where they were going to put the swing set and all this stuff. And we had, you know, during that period of time, we went through this auction and we got rid of all the livestock. We sold all the equipment. Like we couldn't farm anything. And we were boxing stuff up on the Sunday before closing. And they show up just in tears, bawling. And and, and they said, you know, we went uh, to pull our down payment out of our brokerage account where we had put it into just some safe stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the market had did a mi- had done a minor correction, and we don't have the down payment, and the bank just uh, for just canceled the loan process, wow. and so we were all screwed because they had this misconception that you can store money in an investment where it's at <laughs> risk of loss and call yeah. that safe. So anyone out there that's listening that has yeah. safe stocks or they have some place where somebody right. else is holding their money, that's a really bad idea, and I learned that as a teenager. And so then we did find a buyer at a much reduced price, which ended up being mm. enough to pay the bank off. I see. Interesting. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I, yeah, it is amazing how we just, you know, we've been, yeah. you get sold <laughs> I, a bill of goods. I don't know what you, yeah. what's that? You get sold a bill of goods that yeah, sounds exactly. like a good thing during good times. Right? Well, and that's what everybody else is doing, right? So that must make sense. So, you know, put all my money in the stock market. Um, but so, okay. So. And then, I mean, at this point, you're you were in high school. It sounds like, yeah. And so you you weren't four years old. You had a 
pretty, <laughs> right. pretty good idea of what's going on at this point. So how did that affect you kind of, I guess, mentally, as far as having to be, you know, move out and then uh, the rest of the high school years? How did, if you want to call it poverty, how did these financial struggles affect you as a as a person? Yeah, you know, I can remember being very, very embarrassed. We always had really old vehicles. I was wearing hand-me-down clothes, and yeah. um, and you know, and so you know, I'm the teenage boy who wants girls to, he wants to attract <laughs> girls' attention, right? So, so um, you know, I was never able to go to football practice, or, you know, join any sports or anything like that because I was just working my tail off on the farm. And I can remember, mm-hmm. I can remember, you know, paying my friends after football practice to come help us out, uh, and I get paid nothing, right? So, I, I mean, I remember all those those like material things as a kid. Sure. Um, I also remember this deep fire inside me, which has stuck with me for 40 plus years, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I'm just not going to let my kids go through something like that. And I actually mm-hmm. think we rob from our children um, the lessons of adversity. You know, you, one of, you know, obviously yeah. you focus on this podcast and adversity. Yeah. And the thing that I would tell people, go get the very simple little book that had a huge impression on me. Um, called Obstacle is the Way, right? And mm. I can't remember the guy's it's, name. It's, the a, it's a Ryan Holiday. A holiday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so very simple little parable and book, right? And yep. and he is absolutely right on. The journey is the destination and the obstacle is the thing that enables us to grow. Don't rob from yourself, um, you know, by, by whining about the new obstacle that's in the road in front of you, the adversity that you or your business just achieved. Right, mm-hmm. like that is put there by God as a gift for mm-hmm. our um, our lesson and for us yeah. to grow from. Right, I can look back on every adversity that ever happened in my life, and it has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, um, and this one included. Right, and so what did I have to do? So my father's health is failing, and he passes mm-hmm. a couple years later just because of all of the stress associated with this. So I was a mm-hmm. was a freshman at the Naval Academy when he passed, mm-hmm. and um, that mm-hmm. was probably the biggest adversity. I'll get to that in a second. But, um, you know, so in high school, I'm, um, you know, I'm running little businesses like, you know, creating wood pallets and stuff for our neighbors and Mm -hmm. doing whatever we can do to put food on the table. Um, But yeah, my friends would come over, my girlfriend would come over and I'm in this like 20 year old single wide trailer, right? It's super embarrassing. Um, But thankfully, my parents had always pushed education. And I had three goals once I finally got things stabilized and my mom was able to get a a job and, you know, kind of take care of things. Um, And she kind of gave my sister and me the green light to go off and pursue education and a better life, which I will always be grateful for those two for doing. During that period, I learned a ton about entrepreneurship. I also learned a ton about having long-term fixed rate debt offsetting and getting on the same side of the table as the Federal Reserve. I don't think anybody who listens to your show thinks that we have a good financial plan in America, which now the entire globe has, of mm. you know depreciating our currency. But it is the plan, and obviously it's what's going to happen. And so you should protect your family and get on the right side of the table from that. Sure. So I learned you all those lessons. So you mentioned three goals. What were those three goals? Oh, my three goals. Yeah, to get out of Illinois because it was just poverty-ridden Southern Illinois. The second was to have a safe, secure job because I, while I learned the lessons... I didn't internalize the lessons of entrepreneurship and being a business owner back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so safe, secure job as far away as I could and to be able to go to college for free. <laughs> and so the Naval Academy tossed that right in my lap and I go. didn't see it coming and I grabbed it and ran. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually in Maryland. I don't think I mentioned that, but uh-huh. did, did, how was your time in, in Annapolis? 
you know, it was as a student, it was tough, 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 because I was woefully underprepared for that. Um, you know, I, I can remember in the summer they we had this, um, you know, sign up for your classes meeting that was a nice little air conditioned break between getting our, you know, our tail kicked and the plebe, um, you know, boot camp mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And um, these big, uh, big um, conference room and, and they said, mm-hmm. hey, write down any Oh gosh, what do they call it? Um, IB, which is um, something baccalaureate, right? And then, oh. uh, and then I forgot what the other one was now. Mm-hmm. But those courses, um, AP, AP courses. So like, write down any AP or IB courses. And I was the dummy from you know the the redneck from Illinois who raised my hand. I'm like, what is IB and AP? And like, <laughs> right. don't worry about it. <laughs> so you know, so I had like. 21 courses um, every semester or 21 credits every semester, four straight years. Um, It was tough academically. And I was not an athlete as we just talked about. So, you know, it it was, there's a saying at at that place and many other places like it, where it's a great place to be from. And you're here (laughs) for four years, you're going to love seeing that chapel dome in the rear view mirror as you were driving away. And that was true. Yeah. like everything else, you start to appreciate it as you get older. And I actually finished my career there teaching ethics at the Naval Academy. Okay. And I was standing cool. on the I was standing on the football field where we got our ensign stripes and threw our hats up in the air. 26 years to a day later, as I was wow. watching the midshipmen graduate, and I was and I took off my uniform that day and it was the last day I ever had one on. So That's it was a wild. really, really cool way to capstone, kind of bookend the career. But yeah, my yeah. Uh, my four years there were tough. Got it. No, and I'm sure, you know, obviously we don't have time to go through the your 26 years of service. I'm sure you've faced yeah. some some adversity, some ups and downs all through that. Um, you know, um, and again, thank you for your service. Um, the uh is there anything during those 26 years that jumps out as far as uh, you know, adversity you've dealt with that could be yeah. helpful yeah, for so, the listener out there? Yeah. So my plea year, obviously, very, very, you know, that's the hardest year at, at the Naval Academy. You're just being pressured on you know, basically like bring everybody down, even the pro athletes who were showing up there, um, you know, the, or the college, you know, uh, state champs that are showing up there, everyone mm-hmm. gets challenged in some way. Um, my father ends up passing halfway through that year. Um, my, my classmates and my, uh, and the upperclassmen helped me pack everything up and they actually, yeah, I got it ready to ship to my house. And they just said, Hey, when you had a chance to think through all of this, um, you know, just let us know and we'll ship it. Like everyone assumed that I was not going to come back. Mm. I went to my mom for some advice and she's like, Gary, you don't know this to anybody else. You can come home and, uh, you know, do whatever sets, you know, you, no one else is expecting you to go on. So like mm-hmm. no one, and that was the worst part about it. It was like, there was no one who was saying mm-hmm. you can do this, you know? And, and it was a conversation with a guy sitting at the funeral home, um, that just flipped the switch for me. I can't even remember what he said. I can remember, I, I can remember sitting there with him and I was just like, you know what? I'm going back. And one of the other things was that there was like nothing there for me in Illinois, you know? So, yeah, so, I sure. did. so that was, that was a very big piece of adversity. My dad and yeah. all of the stuff that he, um, that he sacrificed for mm-hmm. myself and my sister to get us to be able to launch like that um, out of all of that kind of, you know, challenge um, he devoted his entire life to support us, to, to allow us to be able to do that. And the one guy that I wanted to be able to turn to, mm-hmm. you know, and say, dad, it was worth it. You know, mm-hmm. he was yeah. gone. And so that was, that was the hardest thing for me to do. I was like, why would I go back? The only reason I was there was to, you know, pay him back. Sure. So 
that was that was one of the biggest ones. Um, when I was in command of the USS Tucson, um, the only other thing I'll say about that is well, it was a challenging, it was an ethically challenging moment. Um, mm. I was out with my crew. No one, no outside person was there. We were doing some emergency drills, kind of testing stuff like firefighters do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a procedural step that is the only thing that's in the manual that's in like these capital letters above all else. Don't do this. Um, never even heard of anybody doing that, but my team did it when they were recovering from this, uh, this training scenario. And, um, everyone who was beneath me in my command said, you know what, um, there's no, there's no record of this. There's no, uh, there's no lasting effect of it. Thankfully we didn't break anything. Um, Mm -hmm. we should just move on. And, um, and I'm like, nope, take the ship to Periscope depth. We're going to tell the boss. And mm. that initiated uh, probably 12 months of sheer pain. Um, and like investigations and things like that. Or- yep. Yep. People, yeah. I had to fire a bunch of people. Um, I lived on the ship in port for a while. My family was completely worn out. My wife, uh, you know, ended up moving back to the mainland so that we could get our kids into better school at that point. It was a mess. Wow. But two years later, um, two years later, most of my crew thanked me. Um, (laughs) And and we had an incredible uh, deployment. We made some really big um, results for the nation, you know, presidential Mm -hmm. type activities. Mm -hmm. And and um, and we won like the best submarine in the Pacific fleet at the time. So Mm. it was really incredible turnaround, but that was some Mm. adversity for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, um, you know, it's easy for us to talk about, uh, do the right thing when no one's looking. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds good, but there's a a lot of pressure on you, but to not do the right thing by, uh, you know, just not bringing it up. Um, And I imagine you sleep better at night now, (laughs) knowing you did the right thing. You you did turn it around and you earned the respect of your, your crew. I, I do. I certainly do. And I'm so proud that I made that that call. And it was really just because, you know, of the amazing uh, training and education system that started way back when I was a kid, but mainly at the Naval Academy and then the, the just the culture of the submarine force. Sure. Um, but I can tell you there are times, smaller times, where I have yeah. not made the right choice like that. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I'm sure we can all say that. But, yeah. you know, I definitely am not perfect. But that one no, went okay. I get it. No, and kudos to you, though, because, you know, it's at the end of the day, you didn't personally do whatever happened, right? You didn't choose right. to do that, but it's it's all your responsibility, right? I mean, you're in charge of the the whole vessel yeah. and your whole crew. So that's, uh, um, again, back to taking ownership and taking ownership of uh, the good and bad that happens to you. I love it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so you've, you dealt, you've dealt with a good bit of financial adversity, um, you know, the, the passing of your father at a critical point in your life and and I do want to say that with regard to that, I mean, people sometimes, you know, if you have a, a a close relative who passes away and then you see people go out and go go back to work right away or, you know, um, and, and I think a lot of times we judge how people handle those things. And the fact is you probably needed, and this is just, you know, I'm guessing here, but you probably needed something to focus on like the Naval Academy or, you know, some kind of purpose in that at that point in your life um so like you you alluded to going back to illinois wasn't probably wasn't the best choice so um kudos to you through all of that i mean for just how you handled all that that's um you know i guess when you look back at those we'll say three three different incidents the the kind of financial adversity growing up the passing of your father and then the ethical challenge in the military um 
what would you say was is a one or two, one or two principles that you could pull out as far as how you handled that or or how the listener what the listener could take away for um, their own adversity that they're they're guaranteed to face? Well, you know, the, the, again, the biggest lesson going again is that um, these are painful, and we want to, uh, uh, you know, we we have this tendency to want to avoid them. I embrace them now, you know, <laughs> and, um, because I've learned through experience that they're there for my growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the big lesson is I, I would not protect, you know, the mistake that I've made with my two sons, awesome young mm-hmm. men, 18 and 21 years old now, but they're softer. They're a little bit softer. Right. And, and, um, they're, they're pretty solid kids. And, to, you know, if I compare them to everybody else today, but, but I did protect them from things financially, otherwise, and yeah. I, if I could go back and do that again, I wouldn't do it. But I, I'm, you know, freely admitting that the reason I did is because I carried all that baggage around, and I wanted my young guys not to be super embarrassed around their friends. Um, sure, you know, and and plus, when you have the means, it's really really yeah. hard to hold back. Like my dad didn't, you know, he had a lot of challenges, but he didn't have to worry about, you know, the fact that he intentionally held back <laughs> funds that his kids could have had. Right? They didn't have it. Um, so that, right. that that I would say was the big one, and then. You know, in the end, um, my fight song is that we are our own number one best asset. End of story. There is no pile of money out there. There's no business. There's no, you know, rare car in the garage or anything that Mm -hmm. is going, even relationships that that are going to protect you in your own future. The Mm -hmm. only thing that can protect you in your own future is yourself. And your mindset and your ability to go out and raise uh, capital or to add value to others that they will compensate right. you for. It may even be food or shelter, but they will compensate you if you add value to their world. If somebody's mm-hmm. ignoring you and not on your team and doesn't want to pay attention, it's because you haven't added the right value to their world. And that may be fine, but that is the answer to why that is, is the case. And I so, love that. Yeah. You know, and, and so you can look to anybody and like, hey, I got enough money. I got more money than God. I don't have to worry about this. That's just screwed up, right? All you got to do is find a really sophisticated con man and you will be bankrupt. Hmm. Worse bankrupt sure. than the guy who is struggling right now, but still adding value because that person retired themselves, which means they took them out of service and whatever skills they had to end up with that money to begin with are now gone. They're useless. Yeah, and they're yeah big that makes a lot trouble. of sense. Yeah, right? I think, you know, Wealth creation, obviously, you and I both believe that it's it's very important and you need yeah. to take ownership of your financial future and all that stuff. But if you're placing your all of your hope and faith into the the money itself or the wealth itself, that's a uh, <laughs> that's a fool's errand. I mean, that's and yeah. so I'm I'm in a I know we're, we run in some of the same circles. The uh, the guys I'm, I'm plugged in with at Wealth Without Wall Street, they mm-hmm. the first principle they operate by is invest in yourself. I mean, that's just number one. So, and, and yeah, and, and that's a great point. And obviously we're very like-minded. I know those two gentlemen yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, my point with that in this specific case about those three areas of adversity is that what mm-hmm. got me through it was knowing that I've, I've, uh, got it inside me to be able to dust myself off and move forward. Right. right? No, I There's love all it. kinds of pithy little, uh, quotes and comments and stuff about, you know, just get up one time more than the other guys. Sure. But but the reason that those, you know, the reason that sayings are out there is because they're true. Yeah, no, that's true. It's and and uh, one of the themes I've pulled out from all of the episodes we've done so far, one of the common elements of how these people, we've, the guests we've had on, how they've gotten through the adversity they, they've experienced is that 
they invest in themselves, they focus on themselves for a period of time, and and they're always in a growth mindset and trying to better better themselves. However, and you mentioned this already, it, getting getting to abundance, and that looks different for everyone, but getting to abundance really comes from serving others and trying to add value to others. It ends up actually not being about you, Gary, or me, Jamie. <laughs> it really ends up being about serving others. And then, you know, it, it does eventually come back to you, I believe. So um, I love the fact that you, you, you know, we are very like-minded, like you said, and I think the listener can take a lot from this, this conversation. Um, so I, I do have some uh, rapid fire questions for yeah. you. And, um, and then we can get to kind of a little bit more about your business today and how you, how you run things, how you serve others through your business. Um, what's one th- thing that people misunderstand about you? Mm, I'm a bit uh, aggressive, meaning uh, I'm I'm just kind of to the point, and uh, it may it may come out being uh, just hardcore and not caring, and uh, I don't know, maybe self centered or something like that. But I just have this burning fire inside me of patriotism to help Americans take control of their future, take control of their situation, and insulate themselves from. Um, others having what I call financial um, blackmail over them. Like you, you do need to come in and work today. You're, you're going to have to take that pay cut. You're not going to be able to go to your kid's recital. All those things. Most Americans and most parents would like to, you know, flip out the middle finger at that, right? Yeah. But they can't do it because they have not been able to, have not yet established agency in their own world. And so I'm very passionate about that. And maybe I come across as a little bit uh, off the top rope sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I've heard that, uh, uh, you know, with from several of our guests, that passion. Here, at the end of the day, though, you can't you can't please everyone. <laughs> you do oh, yeah. need to care about what other people think on some level because you're trying to serve them. So you need to understand where they're coming from. Right. But if you're if you're growing, if you're making an impact in the world, you're not going to, not everyone's going to be your, your biggest fan and that's okay. So, um, you gotta, it's good that you have passion. That's just my, my little, uh, my two cents there, but what would you say if you had to have, if you could have coffee, uh, with any historical figure, who would it be and why? I would say, uh, Ronald Reagan. Okay. Yeah. Um, You know, he had a huge shift from, from being, um, a Hollywood, um, very kind of liberal mindset to become a very conservative individual, very uh, patriotic, very um, freedom focused. And I think I could learn some stuff from him and his journey <laughs> and uh, maybe something that would help enlighten a lot of others that have been, um, you know, kind of wooed down that path. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Mm. Uh, increase my ability to um, attract uh, the attention of other like-minded producers, build a place here in in, uh, Southwest Florida, um, a bit of an oasis, a a place where people could come and and we could hold actual live events. You know, I mentioned that my podcast name is Gary's Gulch. That comes from, it's a reference to Galt's Gulch from Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged, which was a place where all of the producers went off to protect their mindset and a, and a, a community of people who could come out of the woodworks in the end and help rebuild America again, once everyone kind of realized that entitlements and, and uh, voting yourself, you know, victories and all this kind of stuff wasn't going to work. So mm-hmm. I, I would, I would continue to foster that. I might buy myself a nice car. I don't know. In addition, <laughs> but, 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 you know, like I said, I'm just over the top focused on, 
yeah. protecting protecting this experiment that started 250 years ago. That's seriously at risk. It's not the first time, but it's seriously at risk. Right, right. That's good. Good perspective. It's very real. You know, we have very real issues for sure. But you know, you can't come up with a solution until you recognize that you have a problem, right? And so, um, more uh, focused on your your own uh, industry and business. Once, what's one um, issue or challenge that you're facing right now in your business? Well, um, biggest challenge is um, optimizing the system so that I can interact with more people and more quickly um, get my message across more quickly. So I'm building a team underneath me that's a little more mm-hmm. extensive. Um, I'm um, getting on some stages and uh, all of that requires capital and planning. Um, so I, I guess it would, I would say is uh, more optimized systems and more people. Mm-hmm. More team yeah, I mean, it. And that's really what business comes down to is mm-hmm. people and systems, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something I can relate to as well. Um, what's one surprise that you've uh, you've learned through your on the business side of things? Just something you didn't expect. Maybe it's been more challenging or easier or more fun. Any surprise that you faced in your business? Uh, it's yeah, it's been more abundant than I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I certainly enjoy it. I've always known I, I was going to enjoy it, that it would, it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is abundant in that um, I get all kinds of, of referrals and, and amazing opportunities from current clients because I focus on adding value to their world, right? Like you mm-hmm. just mentioned uh, a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. And, and if you just focus outwardly, abundantly on the needs of your mm-hmm. most closely aligned clients, customers, whatever we call them, mm-hmm. then they will open up their Rolodex to you. They will open up their friend network. They will they will provide all kinds of incredible investment opportunity, but also mm-hmm. clients and, and things like that. So yeah. just being outwardly focused. And, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza and my awesome mm-hmm. friend, Aaron Chapman, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of you know did a mastermind and study group together. And I know he was on a previous episode. And yeah, that was, you know, yep. And, and so he and I, you know, studied uh, a book from Dr. Joe Dispenza that was about um, breaking the habit of being yourself or becoming yourself mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his point and one of the comments he makes in there is um, the human uh, mind, as powerful as it is, in the end, can only hold one thought at a time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking, man, I'm so grateful that I have this you know, new car. I'm so grateful that I have this friend. I'm so grateful that I have this thing then you yeah. can't actually physically get ticked off at the guy who you think cut you off because he dislikes you or he wants to prove sure. a point or something. Like you just can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful that guy was able to find a hole in front of me and can make it to his <laughs> wife's delivery of their brand new baby. Like create the story that makes mm-hmm. you abundant. And yeah. um and so that's what I've tried to use. And and you know, my my realization of the thing that surprised me is that it has been it's been incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, there's a bunch of things I'd love to dive into there. But uh, in, in fact, just talking about adding value to others, I I did drop a Zig Ziglar quote to my 15-year-old daughter last night about if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll get everything you want in life. My <laughs> favorite quote of all time. Yeah. <laughs> because she's trying to hit me up for more money because I, I helped fund a, a small um, entrepreneurial adventure or venture for her. And so uh, I, I respect what she's doing, but I'm trying to get her to, you know, focus on focus on others and add value, and it will come back to you. 
Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's been awesome. That's a, that's awesome that it's been so abundant for you. It sounds like in more, more than just financially, it sounds like you're, you're really enjoying the, the business as well and enjoying serving others. Um, what is that? So what is, give the listener kind of just a snapshot of your business and, and what, you know, what does one day or one week look like for you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm meeting, um, from a room in my house and here in Southwest Florida, uh, on a beautiful golf course, which is, uh, you know, things that keep my mind very abundantly feeling, you know, mm-hmm. um, have one of those very simple things like a waterfall on our pool that just makes nice sound and, and nice. climate here for a few months out of the year, you can just keep the window or the glass open and, you know, listen to it. Um, and, and so I'm meeting via zoom like this with many, uh, clients, just one after another, and then take a short break and then a couple more and, you know, taking notes in between there. So very hectic, um, focused days, um, most of the week, actually, like I, I don't even take one, I don't even take one of those days off. Um, I do take off Sundays and I take off most of Saturdays. Uh, I do travel a lot as well uh, to engage clients in person, to do main stage kind of things, to do masterminds, mm-hmm. um, to connect up with Patrick Donahue and his team out in um, Salt Lake City, Utah, where I'm headed next week, mm-hmm. and to teach um, some industry courses, financial courses, um, with a good friend Todd Langford and and his wife Kim Butler, who are you know kind of industry mm-hmm. yeah. industry giants here. So I, I go off and teach with them as well. You know, predominantly it's me meeting with clients one-on-one. I mean, this is a one-on-one, you know, business that we're in sure. because we're talking about people's personal finances. Sure. Personal is yeah. personal, right? Yeah. So we're <laughs> so, designing, we're designing this, um, you know, kind of handmade glove to fit their family that yeah. uh, is really a foundational piece. So it's infinite banking, it's high cash value, whole life insurance. Yeah. And, and so that's really, that's like step one. And then I have mm-hmm. a cash management system called Currents that we bring in with that. Uh, and then I, I expand where possible and where it fits their scenario into helping them with wealth strategy. And so I'm helping them mm-hmm. with business structure, asset planning, estate planning, tax mm-hmm. reducing investments, um, mm-hmm. you know, syndication kind of investments. And so some clients I meet with weekly, some clients I'm meeting with once a year, some clients I can't get on the phone, but it all just comes down to what their needs are, where they are in life. Um, yeah. And, you know, the perfect world is that I'm also meeting with their kids and grandkids to help them understand as a family why mom, why hmm. grandma and grandpa are doing this. So, yeah. So on that point, I speak of my daughter again, I have I've given her the book uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, and it's sitting by her bed. And oh. you have any any advice uh, on how I can get her, you know, interested? I, she has a we've got a few got four four policies and one is in her name i mean i'm the owner of of it but trying to get her you know that i'll just quickly say there's you you have people out there who say well the schools don't teach personal finance which is absolutely true but the flip side is you know as my mother who was a public school teacher for many years would say yeah but the kids don't want to learn it (laughs) so how do you yeah how do you do how do you approach that I, i don't know if that's a big part of your business or not but do you have any insight yeah. there? How do how do we um, get the kind of maybe kids and teenagers on board sure. with this type of sure. thinking? Yep, yep. Great question. Um, that's a tough book for a kid to read. Yeah, it, uh, sure. Yeah. Nelson is, you know, he's, he's very, uh, very much, he should have been an engineer. Um, <laughs> and so there's a ton of tables and plus it's written in 2000 speak from a redneck from Alabama, right? So it's a, <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge. 
True. Uh, I, I would probably choose a d- different, uh, you know, book of several um, that can come to mind, and you can also get them in audio if if she does a lot of, you know, sure. biking or running or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would incentivize her with whatever method yeah. um, is most valuable to her. That might be I will pay you so you can put it into your venture so that you can right. keep going there, or it might be I will take you on this trip that you've been asking me to do. Whatever it is, yeah. I would somehow. I mean, it's bribing, but you know, it's bribing with yeah. good well, pay. You know, I, I've given up the the fight against bribing. Bribing. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's know. bad. You're incentivizing people to do what you know is in their best interest. At the end of the day, parenting. I, same thing with uh, borrowers that we deal with on our in our mortgage note business. You know, all you can do it's carrots and sticks. You know, as far as incentivizing people, but you know, and in the end, um, I was just going to say that in yeah. the end, what's most valued by our children is time with us. Um, sure. You know, they won't say that when they're 15 and a girl. But right. in the end, yeah. they will remind you that the, their best memories are, you know, the time that you forced me to go with you on this trip. And it turned out to be amazing. That's that's an excellent point. Um, as we start to wrap up here, um, you, any other uh, anything about your business that you want to uh, point out, like a productivity hack or anything for the listener out there that you could, uh, you know, um, provide as far as a principle that's worked in your, your time in small business, anything like that? Well, we mentioned earlier about systems. So one of the things that the military teaches us and certainly Navy nuclear submarines teach us, I I was always amazed um, as a new officer coming onto a submarine, the amount of control they gave me. um, And, and when a new, you know, junior enlisted member would come onto the submarine and We'd give them this short little piece of paper and an orientation, and then we'd put them to work operating a nuclear power plant, right? And why would that happen? Well, it's because we have very, very stringent systems, um, procedures, but but also you go through a training program that is intended to be generic enough that it works on all the plants, right? And so Mm -hmm. uh, that's why McDonald's is successful. It's why Mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A is successful. And it's why I'm getting, you know, I told my boys when they graduate college to tell me what business they want to start. I will fund the business and co-own it with them, but it's probably going to be a franchise Mm -hmm. Um, because most above anything else, I want them to understand the value of systems and, and why something is done the way it's done and, and get that lesson because then they can go start their own business from scratch, but they're going to already know that the bookkeeping and the procedures and all of that stuff is, you know, feedback from customers, how to do marketing. All that stuff is figured out with franchises. There's a lot sure. of horror stories about people buying franchises and losing, you know, their retirement dollars. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with the fact, the good points that yeah. you know, I really want to put out there. So it really yeah. wasn't about my business, but I do talk to my clients a lot about that. And I think that mm-hmm. is the way to success. Because in the end, again, if we back it all back out to what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to enable and empower and provide resources to individuals to take control of their own lives. And in the end, that means that they have their own business. Uh, It might be running rental real estate, but Mm -hmm. uh, it might also be a storefront or an an Amazon business or something. But they have the ability to say, you know what, there's just I'm not going to listen to you this time. It's not in the best interest of my family. Instead, I have set myself up so that I have my own income sources. I can count Mm -hmm. on myself. And uh, I'm providing value and I'm going to go my own path. Right. And mm-hmm. so that comes from creating something that's successful. And that means you don't understand systems. So really for me, it Absolutely. all goes back down to it's maybe boring, but systems are the most important sure. thing you need to recognize is going to sustain your agency on this planet. Love it. Um, 
I know we've already mentioned several books. Do you have any other book that comes to mind to recommend? Yeah, so a little self-centered, but uh, I I like Patrick Donahoe's book, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. Um, It's really just uh, taking a different look at uh, personal finance, maybe questioning some of the stuff that uh, you've been told since you were in grade school. And I love Kim Butler's book um, Mm -hmm. that is called Perpetual Wealth. It's a big book. Yeah, um, but it talks about family and legacy, and it provides some concrete things that you can go do. For example, um, I'm I'm starting semi-annual um, three to five day events with my my sons, and what do I talk about? Like you know, other than just going yeah. skiing or whatever, right? And and so she helps out with, you know, let's pick a family charity and let's talk about what the family stands for and those kinds of you know sure. really important things. Um, yeah, that's good. Right. I, think I, re- so I read I like one, those uh, two books for that reason. I love um I read one by her and uh, uh Jimmy Vreeland, maybe they have mm, a book yeah, together about real re- combining real estate and, and mm-hmm. infinite banking. Busting the real estate lies, yeah. Yeah. I'm also reading a book called Entrusted right now. I think I think Yeah, Andrew it. Howell. Um, exactly. Awesome yep. Yeah. And he gets into some of this very same topics that uh that Kim Butler does. Yeah, got it. So it's Essentially, so far is it, it, the the point is that you know wealth and succession planning yep. is not all. It's not all about just the money. It's a lot, much bigger than that. And defining what your family is all about, what your principles are, and um, legacy planning in in that vein. So I'm um, yeah. There are no better. There is no one better in the uh, uh, all of our clients that are really serious about uh, yeah in legacy and and um, irrevocable trust. Um, yeah, estate planning. They go to Andrew. Yeah, I think I think Russ and Joey use him as well. Um, he's not cheap, but he's very good from what I hear. Um, as we wrap up here, Gary, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been fantastic. Um, you know, we've hit on several different types of adversity that you've been through, and I know we could have had five or six additional episodes diving into all that. But um, thank you again for your service and your time uh, today. Uh, where can our listeners reach out to you? Uh, online if they want to connect. Yeah, the easiest is just GaryPinkerton.com or uh, email is Gary at GaryPinkerton.com. Awesome. Um, that's the easiest place. I would be forever grateful if they go check out Gary's Gulch, you know, G-U-L-C-H. Yeah. It's a weird phrase, but if you've read Atlas Shrugged, you'll get it. Uh, and then my, my parting message for everybody is just remember adversity is there for your benefit. It will make you stronger and better, and you will be forever grateful for having gone through it. So embrace it positively. Take it on. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gary. And to the listener out there, we thank you very much for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, 
These stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.